0: And now, the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is B.C. Food & Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. Now,
1: here's Anthony and Casey. You're old. You're old and Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to 2021 here on the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. We trust that you and your loved ones have had a safe Christmas and New Year's 2020 was quite a year, yet with all the challenges, there were opportunities for growth. Here at uh, BC Food and Wine Radio, we are excited to have added 10 new markets to our listening audience in 2020, and we couldn't be happier to say welcome to the new year and to those listening on Easy Rock stations in Prince Rupert, Terrace, Kitimat, Revelstoke, Golden, Nelson, Salmon Arm, Invermere, Trail, and Princeton, all joining us on the show, Casey, uh, and today on the show, we wanted to celebrate some of our fun conversations that we had this past year, and we're going to start with John Schreiner and Luke Whitall uh, talking about their new uh, Okanagan touring book, Casey, 500 pages, 240 wineries. That's a that's a big book.
2: Yeah, Tony, I spent most of my Christmas holidays reading it. <laughs>
1: Are you going to do a lot of touring this year?
2: I am. I can't wait to get back up there.
1: (laughs) Okay. What about this cookbook that you had on your list? Uh, We had a great interview with Jennifer Schell, and uh, the book made your list, did it not?
2: It made my top ten list for the year. I love this book, this book, book, B.C. Wine Lover's Cookbook.
1: Yeah, we'll talk to her about stories and recipes and how they come together in the B.C. wine industry. We'll also have John Clarity's on today. COVID isn't the only issue facing uh, private wine shops. It was last year. Many others. We're going to talk to John about that, and we're going to ask him the big question. Should you open a private wine shop, uh, as things are right now? And finally, uh, one of I think one of our best interviews of the year, Bruno Feldison, Baking with Bruno... Uh, what a guy.
2: Yes, it's, uh, he's on the Great Canadian Baking Show, and the lemon curd recipe in this book is
1: unbelievable. Chef Bruno is next. Happy New Year. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio
0: Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
3: This year, be local with Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Find a wine that celebrates local as much as the holidays. Whether it's fireside or turkey side, Save On Foods has that perfect complement to your celebration. Browse more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries, the largest selection of BCVQA wines in the world. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection online at slash wine and get ready for a local holiday celebration.
1: In the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench, the Culmina Family Estate Wine Shop is open for wine sales every Monday to Saturday from 11 to 3 with COVID-safe
3: tastings Fridays and Saturdays. For those wishing to shop online, Culmina is offering complimentary shipping for online orders of six bottles or more through the end of February. Culmina Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. For tasting reservations and more, visit culmina.ca. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, B.C. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca.
0: Now back to BC Food & Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson.
1: Hey, we're back. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, It's a special New Year's edition of the show today as we look back at conversations we had in 2020. Casey, we had a great chat with chef and author Bruno Feldes. And many of you probably know Bruno from uh, the great Canadian uh, Baking Show. Uh, He talked to us, so I had a great chat with him about how to judge in a respectful way. Wait till you hear what he says about uh, giving advice to the uh, people on the show.
2: And you know what's unusual about his Baking with Bruno cookbook? Most professional chefs' recipes aren't that user-friendly for the home cook, but this book
1: really is... Happy New Year, BC. Enjoy our chat now with chef and author Bruno Feldiesen. Uh Bruno, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thank you for having me. I have to tell you, I really enjoy, uh, enjoy you on the, on the Great Canadian Baking Show because I just love the way that you handle the contestants and the, the way you can make them tremble and the way you can be nice to them. I think it's, a perfect, it's the perfect way to have uh, that happen on that show.
4: Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's to create that magical point where you want to be uh, critical, because the whole reason of the show is people they want to get better into baking. Yes, yeah. you don't want to do it in a very um, meaningful. You want to do it in a very meaningful way and very respectful way as well. Yeah, and it's it's so, uh,
1: super hard to do <coughs> that. It's really hard to do that. Is. But but it, when you it, know. Even, even, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that I know that you know what you're talking about, so I can't wait to hear how you're going to do it when you see something that's clearly not that great, but then it has great flavor or whatever. I really like the way you do that anyways. uh, Keep it up. Bruno,
2: I just love your book, Baking with Bruno, a French baker's North American love story. And what I like about the book is often I'll pick up a book done by a pastry chef and the rest recipes are so complicated yours are so uh, user friendly and one of the things that i really enjoyed in the book because my daughter is really getting into baking and she said mom i want you to send me all the things i should have in my kitchen to bake and here i open up your book and not only is there a list but there are pages i can't wait to get a copy of the book to give to her The pages, two pages, just full of things that are really helpful when you bake.
4: Yeah, and you you know, I always say you don't need a lot of equipment. And you can go to Value Village or Second Hand Store and find a lot of cheap equipment. So, you know, because baking, pastry, people always say, oh, you know, it's first recipe are complicated, you know, because we're talking about chemistry. Then you need equipment. And I say... Look, it's not that complicated. And you can go to Value Village, second hand store and find plenty full of equipment for very cheap.
2: Yes, and I've done that and it's it's mm-hmm. a great way to to be able to purchase many different things that you, you know, would spend quite a bit on if you were buying at full retail price.
4: Yeah, no, it could be quite pricey. And the book I wanted it to be, you know, I mean it's about me, but I didn't want it to be about me, in the other hand, They wanted it, it to be uh, approachable for everyone. You know, um, you know, baking—it's a science in one way, but it doesn't have to be uh, that complicated. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of chefs make their book super complicated just to make themselves feel like very important. And <laughs> you know, I, I think <clears throat> the knowledge of pastry or cooking has to be shared more widely. Uh, so that was a book uh, itself has to be very, uh, you know, it's for everybody.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for, uh, the, Bruno, the you, you grew Yeah, you grew up in the center of France. Just about as far from any other part of France as you could be, but uh, when you when you came to North America, what I loved was you you said that you got some good advice which was uh, uh, take your knowledge and be French but embrace North American culture and food too. And you seem to have <clears> done that. How did you make that uh, jump? Um
4: I think because I worked with a great chef best in Los Angeles, uh, who became my mentor and a very good friend. We still buddies now. Uh, his name is Joachim Splishol. and we oh, yeah. opened a restaurant in uh, in the early 90s called Patina in Los Angeles. Yes. And you know, and Joachim was a you know a classic French trainee, working from some of the best chefs. But when I was in LA, he told me, he said, "Look, you know, I mean, you get your skills, but..." You know, put in your closet your French attitude, you know, put everything on the side because you're going to learn so much with the people you're going to work with. You know, um, you know, you know in France, we have this attitude, we are the best. And I think that's closing a lot of doors on creativity. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to North America, you know, I love the way people are. Maybe a, li- a bit a bit less critical, but definitely more open-minded. So you know, if you take this attitude, you just open your mind and heart to anything you see, and you get it. you get more excitement on the day-to-day basic of cooking. So you know, I work with you know amazing Mexican cooks. And those guys just create a flavor that I never seen in France. And, you know, I was like 25 and I was getting excited every day. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, maybe it's easier for me because I'm a first generation born in France, too. So I don't have those deep rooted, um, you know. And I always felt North America, you know, it's like open space, create open
1: minds. And so, you know, I I definitely find my growth here uh, compared to Europe. Yeah, you sure have. Hey, we're speaking with Bruno uh, fall He's uh, got a new book out called Baking with Bruno, a French baker's North American love story, uh, which has been just released uh, by White Cut Books across Canada. $35 available in the usual uh, uh, online places and bookstores.
2: And if you want to check out a recipe in the Vancouver Sun, just go um, to a very lemony lemon curd. Google that, Vancouver Sun, and the recipe will come up. That is a wonderful recipe and so simple. I also love your chocolate dough. And who ever heard of a double chocolate angel food cake? But even more than that, Bruno, cotton candy creme brulee.
4: Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, believe me, um, I've done a few recipes like this where I really embrace the North American spirit. And, you know, it's, it's very risky because a lot of chefs make fun of me. Like an example, many years ago, I was living in New York, and I cook, I made homemade Jell-O for one of the James Beard Award Foundation.
2: Wow. And, like, right <laughs>
4: night. and my station was homemade Jell-O because it was the 100 years anniversary of Jell-O. And I'm like, you know, let's make homemade Jell-O. And we, call it, we called it Jingling Raspberry Jell-O, I think. <laughs> and every European chef walking by was making fun of me. I mean it was like <clears throat> yet um two people saw it from the New York press and loved it. One was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zagat, and they right. thought he was yeah, genius to do it and then uh, next next week the week after he was on the New York magazine and uh, another publication picked it up because they said you know it's how food should be explored you know it should food should have an, an excite exciting part of it otherwise it's just boring mm-hmm. and and you know and the um uh, uh, you know i do the popcorn boule, i do uh, popcorn ice cream so i, I love to explore uh, because you know cotton candy it's part of your weekend in summertime you know you go to the fair so it's really embedded into your uh, dna cooking in north america and i think it's great to be ex- to explore it
2: but i don't think a chef would even think about that. The fact that you've come from France and you see things you haven't seen before, it's perfect. <clears throat> and you know what I loved? Did you really think there was Scotch whiskey and butterscotch sauce?
4: <clears throat> oh, I, I make so many mistakes like this in the past. I mean, once somebody asked me to make clove uh, cookies, so I thought they were talking about, um, you know, the spice clove, and I mean, it was inedible.
1: Oh, I was like, oh you know,
4: she No, she wanted a, a clove-shaped cookies for St. Patrick's Day. I was one of the chefs I worked in New York and I just made clove, you know, clove <laughs> flavor cookies. So
2: did she but, want you know, clover?
4: But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's when my you know, English wasn't that great. Right. You know, oh, so.
2: that's very funny. And, but, but, but you know, I think
4: it's, you know, as a core baking and cooking, it's all by trial and error. Nobody invent anything. You know, it's the same chemistry for a lot of recipes. It's just how you spin it and how you create that excitement about something else. And, and the choice of your ingredients too, you know. I mean, you know, using fresh squeezed lemon makes it oh. a great lemonade or lemon curd. Um, you know, there is no secret about it.
2: Yes, right. And you are a big supporter of Anxiety Canada. And I'm wondering how have the restrictions affected chefs and restaurant owners forced to shut down during this COVID period? Yeah, well...
4: I think it's been challenging for everybody, for kids, for families for, um, you know, I think in BC we are very fortunate, we haven't taken the blunt of it uh, but, you know, I mean, I have friends who live in New York and Los Angeles and, you know, it's uh, you, you don't feel the support of the government, you feel a bit abandoned. I think in BC or in Canada we've been taken care of so we should feel very fortunate about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a very, you know, anxious time for a lot of people and you don't know what the future i mean you want to hope for the best but you know you got to be prepared for the worst and um you know on the other hand nobody works in you know anybody who works in a restaurant took a big uh, a big uh, hit for income for uh for anything i mean uh, you know you know I'm, I'm planning to open a restaurant in richmond and that project has been dragged and put on hold many times so it's going to happen Ultimately, but um, you know, it brings a lot of stress and anxiety. Yes. So, um,
2: and <clears throat> this is at the new Opus Hotel.
4: <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, I was approached by the team behind the uh, the Opus Hotel in Yelton, and um, you know, they're building a beautiful boutique hotel in Richmond. And I'm like, I want to do it, you know. You know, again, plenty chefs told me, don't do it, don't go to Richmond. Nobody goes there. Why would you open a hotel in Richmond or a restaurant? <clears throat> I'm like, that city is vibrant. There is a lot of going on, and of course, I want to open a restaurant there. You know, I like to take over staff and projects that people think is not going to happen, and so um, you know, we're opening. We're hoping to open by January, maybe it's December, depending on the uh, situation. Well, but um, beautiful restaurants, you know, um, uh, local food, seasonal, ethical. That's the way I... Uh, uh, and,
2: and it's wonderful to open a restaurant in Richmond because there's a huge Chinese <coughs> population and they really appreciate food. But before we let you uh, go, are you are mm-hmm. working on a second cookbook. What is it based on?
4: Second cookbook, it's um, it's uh, all about bacon, chocolate, butter, and bourbon. Wow. So th- <laughs> that, might be the, that might be the title, uh, but all recipes have those four major ingredients. Um, so we are, we're we finishing the selection of recipes. We're hoping to shoot a photo in October and having the book out by next spring. Um, so yeah, I mean, not for the sense of a <laughs> lot of calories, but great flavors and definitely
1: v- very fun to to cook. Bruno. Uh, it was mm-hmm. great to catch up with you today. Uh, keep moving to forward. You're life. doing a you're doing a great job uh, with everything you seem to touch. You have that uh, magic touch, and you have the curiosity and the the smile that I think attracts a lot of people to the things you're doing. So thanks for joining us today on the Thank show. You. And Thank uh you for
4: having me on the show.
1: Yeah, great to have you. Baking with Bruno now available widely in bookstores, uh, edited by my old editor uh, Michelle. I just uh, I just think it's fantastic that uh, you guys got together to do that book. Uh, yeah, actually
4: she's um she's going to be uh working on the second book with me as well. So. Great. And
2: uh, wonderful photography by Henry Wu.
1: Yeah. Thank michelle you. marco sorry michelle i should say your last name i know your first name uh thanks so much bruno we'll see you soon i see you in the next uh, okay. next show on tv too can't wait very good all right have a great time take care yep. bye now That was chef and author Bruno Feldison. You're listening to a special New Year's edition of the show. Up next, John Clarides of Marquee Wine Cellars in Vancouver joins us with some fascinating insights into the challenges wine retailers face each business day. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network,
0: presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
5: Winter and wine country, there's nothing like it. Experience everything from the comfort and convenience of the Watermark Beach Resort Osuyus Hotel and Conference Center. Book a stay or just enjoy an unforgettable dining experience at the restaurant at Watermark, featuring Chef Nick's popular nightly specials Wednesday through Saturday and prime rib on Sundays. Menu is available for dine-in, take-out, and curbside pickup. Celebrate winter and wine country. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details.
6: the upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey
1: Wilson. Red, red wine. Hello again, BC, and Happy oh, New Year. I'm Tony Gismondi.
2: I'm Casey Wilson.
1: Casey, 2020 was a unique year to say the least. However, our next guest sees similar challenges every year with wine regulations in B.C., and I don't blame him. John Clarities of Marquee Wine Cellars in Vancouver. Uh, we had a great chat with him. He says, I would like to say, he survived the city of Vancouver rules. He survived the BCLDB rules. And he survived the pandemic, uh, so we take our hat off to him and talk about uh, all things private wine shops.
2: And I even asked him if we should open a private wine shop.
1: Oh yeah, wait till you hear what he says about that. Here's our conversation with John Clarities of Marquee Wine sellers in Vancouver. John, welcome to the show.
7: Tony Casey, thanks for having me. Great to talk to you.
1: Uh, great to talk to you. You're the only guy I know who survived the city of Vancouver, the BCLDB, and a pandemic. Uh, congratulations on all of that.
7: You know, it's uh, you know a little bit of little bit of Greek and a little bit of crazy helps in there. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, everybody asked me the question about whether they should open a winery, so I'm going to ask you a question: whether they should open a private wine shop.
7: 100% no. One, you can't get the licenses anymore because it doesn't exist. There's only there a 18-month window. From 86 yep. to
1: about 88, early 88, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Strange, strange business. Well, welcome to the show, yes. John. Uh, I guess the first off the top, I just wanted to have a quick chat about uh, a very complicated subject, which is uh, wholesale pricing. I don't even know what that word means anymore when we talk about wine, but uh, there has been some news that's come out. Uh you already had wholesale pricing but now you have more competition from uh, restaurants I guess that would be the well, number one competition. I I
7: don't, I I don't know if it's it's if it's competition um p- perhaps it is if you know they're st- they're still allowed to sell wine to go so you know their prices yeah may not be double they could be de facto retailers that that definitely is a problem so I'm keeping an eye, keeping an eye on that. But, you know, it's, you know, a little bit of fresh air for them. It still doesn't solve the big problem for them in that they still have to buy full case lots and cannot buy single bottles or what they need on a weekend or for the next three days. They're forced to buy,
1: you know, 12 bottles. Full cases that they they can't get in two days either or even that night. Correct. Uh, Well, I was... I've been looking at the sort of situation, and I guess what I'm thinking is that, uh, the government's already you know, telling us how much money they're losing by doing this, which is peanuts in the scheme of how much they make. But, but uh, you, they could have given you the right to sell to restaurants and not have to give up that money, and you could have cut your own deal and, and been happy doing it. Why, why didn't it go that way?
7: I have no idea. I uh, I, I can't speculate. I, I wasn't in on any of the negotiations, so I, I don't know. I think they just want to. It's all about control. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, also probably. Oh, it was negotiated by the restaurant association. So, they're you know they are lobbying for the restaurants and not for wine stores. When it when you look at the whole picture, we are part of it, and so if we can help restaurants save money. By not having to run around to five um, uh, liquor stores to pick up product or delivering it to them, uh, save them time and money and solve some problems for them, they didn't look at that.
1: Yeah. So, well, even the environmental footprint, like I can't understand why a, why a <laughs> restaurant on Davy Street wouldn't buy wine from you where they could just pick it up and walk it over to the store rather than ship it around the province for exactly. 10 days. Exactly. I mean,
7: we use courier, we use bike couriers, we deliver ourselves. Um, uh, it, it, I'll give you a classic example. So caterers, we aren't allowed to sell to catering companies because they're deemed <laughs> licensees. So here's what the caterer has to do has to go to the liquor store, wait yeah. for their order, load it in the car themselves, take it back to their office, chill it, take it to the event, any unused wine, back to their okay. office. Yeah. And so how many trips is that? Boy, uh, there's one, a lot
2: of advantages being in the food business. We don't yeah, have tons. to deal with this.
7: Exactly. So so if they dealt with us is, John, I need 10 cases delivered to 1234 Elm Street, It'll be there cold Saturday at 4 o'clock. Great. Yeah. That saves four trips. We build their visa card. Anything left over, they take back to the store and they return to us or they keep for their next event.
2: Yeah. How simple is that? Yes. Time
7: and money and the carbon footprint. I've explained this to government and they chose not to listen.
1: I wonder why it's so complicated when, when many of the solutions look very straightforward. I, I, unless it's just, you know, there, there's something going on that I don't know about. I don't understand why this system is so complicated and why it can't be rebuilt from the ground up instead of all this tweaking.
7: Command and control. And if you think about it, I'm the, apparently the new um, uh, general manager, I think a uh, li- liquor licensing is uh, talking to, to uh, Jeff Greenartis. She's She wants to yep. come up with... Um, uh, solutions, but there's a legacy of saying no. no is an e- no is always easy. It's like your kids asking for candy. no,
1: no.
7: turn around yep. go walk away dejected. But if you're persistent like teenagers petulant teenagers are, you eventually they eventually capitulate. And you know historically looking at my business, you know wasn't allowed to have a website, wasn't allowed to deliver, wasn't allowed to pour off-site uh, at wine events, wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed to have wine dinners, wasn't allowed to advertise. These are things that we've all gotten, but it's taken 35 years. So mm-hmm. I've always said, by the time they get it right, it'll be the end of the century.
1: Yeah. the thing The thing is, is that all of these things that you fight for and you get, they they make no difference to the rest of the world. Like it's like, oh yeah, sure. Well, why why didn't you have that 20 years ago? It's not like that's some massive change. It's, it's just it's, it's crazy. The internal
7: there, there's internal people people, and I, I won't say names that had wow. they were trained by people that were trained by people in the in yeah. the 50s and 60s so there is this command and control and no mentality and well so i'm interested
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm interested, I'm really interested in the culture of wine. So all of this stuff, I don't really care about all these rules. What I, what, what disappoints me is that if you want to have a local wine industry and you want to support BC wine, you got to build a wine culture. And you can't do that with rules that say, you know, the baker can't do that and the butcher can't do this. Like, it's just nuts. It's crazy. uh, If they want to strong uh, you know a strong local industry they also have to engage with the rest of the world they have to be open to having italian and french wines here and that expertise and that knowledge transformed around to everybody like it's just crazy to close it all down because they think they're doing the right thing uh,
7: they're, they're they're doing they're doing you're, you're 100% right a, a couple of examples uh first of all i think i think uh government intimidates people and they're you know they're just made up of human beings that follow policy and it's easy to government's not always right we've proved them wrong over the centuries they're wrong a lot of the time uh but you know they have they have a process uh and if you have strong leadership at any level especially this talk bc wine industry um i bring my a mutual friend willie Klinger, uh who is was the head of the austrian wine marketing bureau this guy was a tour de force and he's launched Austrian wines all over the world. Uh, we need that in B.C., and we, need, and we need that culture to sort of trickle down to, to all levels. It's slowly happening, but sadly, you know, I'm 16. By the time it gets, you know, all done, I'll be in an old-age home or dead.
2: Well, John, well, my- before we let you go, I want yeah. you to tell us about winetext.ca.
7: Oh, yeah. So this is a new thing that we've launched. All you do is get on our webpage, sign up for Wine Text. You get a text every Wednesday And you can just reply four, six, or 12 bottles. We have all your information stored, and the wine will get delivered to you between 24 and 48
2: hours. Sounds wonderful. And And you've purchased the Numbers Club.
7: Oh, yes. I purchased probably, from what I've been told, North America's oldest and longest operating gay club, Numbers Cabaret. It's right next door to my wine shop. And so... uh, it's been. It used to be called Tony Lemmer's Factory for those of the, oh, those of us <laughs> old enough to remember that. That is and old. Then, it is. And Phil Moon bought it in 1980, turned it into a gay club. Phil Moon was responsible for opening Love Affair, um, uh-huh. Pump, cha- uh, not pump, um, Fountainhead, um, the Score. About 20 gay clubs in in Vancouver over the last 40 or 50 years. Anyway, he's retired. I bought, bought the club from him, and we're going to keep it a gay club, but we're going to have a little bit of a twist to it. Better wines, better beers, a patio in the back that I'm working on. We're cleaning up, uh, cleaning it up inside, and a, a little twist. I don't want to say right now because I don't want my competitors to get any ideas, but it's going to be a nightclub, but with a, a cool little twist to it. And I had Sabrina Dollywell make up a cocktail list for me. So it'll be be a lot better.
2: Great. I'm going to call you after the show to find out what that secret is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John, always great to catch up with you. Keep up the good fight. Uh, You've done a great job at Marquee Wine Cellars. By the way, folks, marquee-wines.com. You can go there and check out all the wines that are for sale through John from around the world. He's got all of them. That was John Clarities, owner of Marquee Wine Cellars in Vancouver. Happy New Year, B.C. Still to come, we'll speak with Jennifer Schell, B.C. wine lover's cookbook. This is the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network, presented in part
0: by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
3: This year, be local with Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Find a wine that celebrates local as much as the holidays. Whether it's fireside or turkey turkeyside, Savon Foods has that perfect complement to your celebration. Browse more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries. The largest selection of BCVQA wines in the world. Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Browse the entire collection online at saveonfoodscom wine and get ready for a local holiday celebration.
6: The Modest Butcher Restaurant at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery in West Kelowna is ready for the joy and confusion that this upside-down holiday season is sure to bring. They've got your takeout covered for every occasion with a brand-new menu featuring your favorite modest dishes from 2020. They've even added some brand-new items designed for the nights when you just want to stuff your face with pizza and wings. For all you need to know on ordering, check out ModestButcher.com.
3: Tony Haller, owner of Poplar Grove Winery. At Poplar Grove, every day on the Naramata Bench is a journey to create fantastic wines. We couldn't do it without our dedicated team or the family of wine lovers who gather at our wine club to enjoy the many benefits of membership, like world-class wines delivered to their door and exclusive events at the winery like our wine club barbecue. Join us on the journey to make truly great wines. Visit us at poplargrove.ca. Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back
0: to BC Food and Wine Radio, here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson.
1: We're back. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey
2: Wilson.
1: Happy New Year from all of us at the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Uh, Casey, one of the most talked about cookbooks of 2020, uh, was authored by our next guest, Jennifer Shell. She did a great job finding the stories behind B.C. wineries and somehow tagging them to uh, recipes for the cookbook. It's a really lovely presentation.
2: And one of my favorite recipes from the book is from Quail's Gate and it's perfect lemon meringue pie.
1: Okay, here's our conversation with Jennifer Shell, and she talks about her B.C. Wine Lover's Cookbook. Jennifer, how are you?
8: Thank you. So much! It's so great to be on the
1: show. Well, we love your uh, cookbook. In fact, uh, Wilson's been bragging about it uh, most of the summer, so uh, that's high kudos from her. Uh, you love the book, don't oh, you, Casey?
2: I do, and I had a chance to look at it before it was published. I was very impressed with it. A Thank lot you of research. For that
8: beautiful endorsement.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Uh, you know, a beautiful, uh, beautiful book. Very well researched. Uh, great information and recipes how many wineries did you um, how did you even decide on the wineries you were going to put in this book
8: yeah that's a question i it's hard to it was really hard to narrow it down I was just looking across the province and, and trying to just provide a snapshot of the diversity of uh, old families new families the range of cultures and I you know I could only fit in, I think there's 53, so I uh, it was hmm. a hard decision to make, but it was
1: uh, but fun. The, tell our listeners a bit about the concept, because you went looking for stories uh, and a recipe from these people, which I think is a fantastic idea, which turns out that I think that that uh, uh most of them were like home recipes obviously or favorites from them and now we're all sitting at home cooking <laughs> home favorites so it's a bit of a home run
2: <laughs> yeah it was good
8: timing oh, thank you yeah i i realized you know personally our family recipes you know from my oma or my grandmother those books there's a couple of them popped in, up in my um, my other cookbooks and they're they're tried and true, they're family favorites, and it's sort of a celebration of of these amazing women uh, before us that were creating these dishes and how they passed mm-hmm. down. And through the wineries, it's sort of, you know, it really is representing their unique culture um, when they're sharing a family recipe. And and I asked for a celebration recipe, um, so some of them aren't from Grandma, but some of them are just a family favorite that they make Every year at a certain time after Christmas, and and again, you know who's better to pair the the food than the, the winemaker? So they're all perfectly paired, of course, um, with their wines. And those stories uh, that came, each recipe had an amazing story behind it, so that was made it really unique.
2: And one of my favorites, uh, and the recipe looks wonderful, uh, uh, Federico's shrimp ceviche. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the crew that comes from Mexico?
8: Yeah, that was sort of a unique one because, as I said, most of them are family recipes, or all of them really are. Um, except when I talked to Roger and Jillian Wong and uh, Jerry Davis, and talked to them about what a family recipe, uh, family recipe that they would like to share, they actually suggested uh, Federico's dish, which I thought was really special. Um, this crew comes from Mexico every year, and they end harvest with a celebration for the crew and the family. And it really represents a big part of our wine industry and, and uh, who's working the vineyards. And this actually has been um, so difficult with any workers coming over, so more than ever, their importance was um, really seen. But, but that isn't.
1: is a delicious. Dish. Our guest, is, yeah, our guest is Jennifer Shell, and she's talking about recipes in the BC Wine Lovers Cookbook: Recipes and Stories from Across British Columbia. The one that caught my eye was I'm a big fan of uh, Checkmate, and and especially of winemaker Phil McGann, who's a really laid back Australian guy with a fantastic wit. And he shared his mother's uh, chicken recipe and talks about going out early in the morning, yeah. killing the chickens with his dad, <laughs> and then uh, cooking this up, uh, 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 a French, uh, actually it was a Florence style, I think, uh, tearing on chicken. It was really cool.
8: Well, her, his, his mom's name is Florence. So the other thing I did was ask uh, to name the recipes for a person that created it and
1: um, okay i didn't get that that's I even better to, yeah.
8: yeah yeah i wanted to name them to you know give them the spotlight and um you know again phil's an amazing guy and that just speaks to his own um I'm sure his family his background they, they grew up on a chicken farm and they always had tons of tarragon and and that that dish is amazing paired with that fabulous
2: yeah. starter course and I love Lustella. I love uh, Severin, and um, oh. I think she had tears in her eyes when she talked about her grandmother's recipe. Is that right?
8: She did, and that was another thing. You know, the, the book, um, I was so excited when I was drawing up this concept and, and looking at all my friends in the industry that have come from all over the world and making their new home here, and people like Sev, from, who's from France, you know, they bring their culture with them and they Okanaganize it, Um, but they bring with them their traditions and and I want that to shine through in the book as well. So, Sev's story of her grandparents that lived by the seaside, uh, when she was a child, she would go and visit them and they would go down to the harbor and get scallops and her sensory memory of that just um, was really lovely to watch. And then she was saying how her her grandmother would have been so thrilled to see her recipe in this this new world kind of wine cookbook. So it was special.
1: Yeah. So many different layers in this book, because we often talk about, you know, there's all this business about buy local, support local, all that, but you know, the wine business is global and to have, to have such a wide swath of people coming to the Okanagan to make wine and as you say sharing their culture and their food this only enriches uh, what we do and we need to continue to reach out to outsiders uh, as well as you know supporting locals because it's a just it's an important thing to do in this kind of business
2: and you know, two Absolutely. two of the really fun people in the book are uh, Shane and Gavin Miller. Like the photograph, <laughs> he's so tall, she's so tiny, and he's carrying her across the vineyard. And they, yes. there's their recipe for upper bench cheesy pizza.
8: Mm-hmm. That dough is fantastic. Um, they are adorable, and they are just are they're our wine and cheese maker, um, and the perfect pairing. So. They're wonderful to visit, and they have um, a big wood fire pizza oven on there at their winery. Um, I'm not sure if it's open. I think it's open for special events or only during these COVID days. Um, But the the pizza and with their cheese, Seamus cheese is just incredible. Um, So on the pizza, it's just fantastic.
2: And Jennifer, you've got your family recipe, and you you also have wines, shell wines, the crab feast, and I want you to tell us a little bit about how you do that because you I forget how many um, crabs you cook at one time, but um, let's tell us or let's talk about the crab pot that you use.
8: Yes. Okay. So I purchased a big pot at an Italian store in Kelowna called Bellaroso years ago. It's actually uh, a restaurant spaghetti pot because it's got kind of a built-in strainer. Then um, a propane burner at Home Depot. Um, so it's portable. You cook it outside just to attach your propane. Um, and you can cook in that pot. You cook, um, oh, my gosh. I've had um, recipes for 12, but we've had many more people it's it fits a lot but you can adjust the size of the pot if you want but basically it's all about timing and you just throw in um there's corn and there's sausage and there's crab and then you pull it out of the pot in the strainer and you dump it right on the table and uh, of course with wine and um oh there's potatoes in there as well eat with your hands if you want it's it's so much fun we We've done it on beaches before or in our family orchard. It's really uh, an amazing celebration meal, and it pairs perfectly with chardonnay, especially shell chardonnay.
1: Listen, thanks so much for joining us today, making time uh, to be on the show. Uh, we love the book, and we'll, whatever we can do to get the word out, we will. And uh, I can't wait to go home and start cooking some of these recipes. They just, they just look so enticing. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Thanks so much, Jennifer. That was Jennifer Schell in the B.C. Wine Lover's Cookbook. Still more to come on the show, including our chat with legendary B.C. wine writer John Schreiner and co-author Luke Whittle. That's next on our Happy New Year edition of the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network,
0: presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
5: It's been a long year. You need a little therapy vineyard in your life. Book your stay at the Inn on the Vineyard overlooking Lake Okanagan and Giant's Head Mountain, sipping the latest releases all within steps of your luxurious boutique-style room. It is the ultimate wine lover's getaway without the flight. Plus, BC Food and Wine Radio listeners can save on their stay year-round at Therapy Vineyards. Just enter the code Gizmondi when you book online at therapyvineyards.com. Location, location, location. If you've made up your mind to finally take that big step and move to the beautiful Okanagan, keep in mind that you don't have to do it alone. The right real estate agent can make all the difference. Let Sean Everest of REMAX Kelowna be your trusted advisor as you embark on this exciting new chapter.
3: I'm Sean Everest. I raised my family here and you can too. Visit seaneverest.com and let me help you on your move. And welcome to the Okanagan. I'm sure you're going to love it. The bear, the fish, the root, and the berry at Spirit Ridge is offering up some good times. Like afternoon happy hours, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m., with special pricing on platters for two and local wines and draft. Brunch anyone? enjoyed every Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 3.30. You can even take the good times home with family meals for four prepared weekly to go, from a complete turkey dinner to lasagna and roast beef dishes. For details including reservations and menus, visit bearfishrootberry.com.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi
1: and Casey Wilson. Hey, we're back, and this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi.
2: I'm Casey Wilson.
1: Casey, 2020 is now behind us. And on this Happy New Year edition of the show, we're remembering some of our conversations from the past year, including a longtime show friend, John Schreiner. He joined us with Luke Widow. They're the co-authors of the the Okanagan Wine Tour Guide. And John had a great story about
2: touring Rome with former Vancouver Sun wine writer.
1: Yeah, Dr. Bernard Horder, who I uh, was lucky enough to replace some, uh, can you believe it, 30 years ago, Casey. Yes, I can believe it. Here's that conversation with John Schreiner and Luke Whittle, gentlemen. Welcome to the show this morning. Congratulations on this big fat book, John. Uh, uh, Thank you. I can't believe how much bigger it is, and uh, will it get much bigger than this? I don't know. We keep saying uh, maybe not, but it keeps growing.
9: Uh, well, the uh, as long as wineries keep opening, and uh, and if there's another edition, they'll have to be uh, to be in there. Uh, I, I don't. And to be fair, we uh well there are forty wineries in this one that weren't in the twenty fourteen edition, the previous edition. Uh to be fair, we also included uh, uh, a few wineries that have never been in. For example, uh I made a point of including Fort Barron's because they never made it into any of my guides stuck stuck there in Lillouette. And uh <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know I mean it's a it's it's a terrific winery and they uh they uh, and yeah, it's, they're in, not really
1: stuck there.
9: No. <laughs> and it's, it's and and there you know and, and people go wine uh, winery now. There are two wineries in the Lillooet area, so uh, we may yeah. uh, see people go up through uh, through uh, Pemberton or uh, or come around the other way. The, the, the drive from uh, from Cash Creek to Lillooet is uh, is one of my it's... my favorite drives. It's just beautiful.
1: Yeah. As long as it's not raining or snowing, it's a fantastic drive. Yes. Uh well, John, how uh, it's a beautiful book in terms of what's in it. The, the just so much information and Luke, I know that you've had a big hand in this. How many wineries made it in this time? Well, 240, isn't that? Yeah, the new of the new ones, it's over 500 pages
10: though for this book and it's uh it's an amazing number of wineries. I don't even I even, you know, my name is on it and I still leaf through it and went, "Oh, who are these guys? Oh my goodness, who who yeah. is that?" I mean, there's just <laughs> Me so too. many So many new wineries, and even in some other regions, John mentioned Lillouette with Fort Barron's, but there's also a winery in Nacusp now. Uh, So from people coming out from Alberta, they can stop into these places on their way to the Okanagan, and it's just so exciting right now.
1: We're speaking with uh, John Schreiner and Luke Withalder, They're the co-authors of the latest Okanagan wine tour guide, uh, widely available now online and at uh, other wineries in the Okanagan Valley. $25, Twenty-five dollars. Uh, it's just a giveaway for the amount of information that's in here, John. I wanted to ask you about just sitting in front of a. Uh, can I? Uh, I was going to say typewriter. Maybe you are in front of a typewriter, but when you write, when you <laughs> write something. Front... Yeah, I, just, I know. I haven't I
9: know. been in front of a typewriter for about thirty years. <laughs> Thank God. Fact, uh, like I like was me. happy. I gave my, yeah, my, my portable typewriter to my grand, my grandchildren the other day. They, were, they wanted to learn how to type.
1: That's okay. great. <laughs> That's super. Just wondering about, okay, let's pick any one, Larch Hill, Lake Books, Kitsch, Friend, Eighth Generation. What do you stick in one page? What, what, what's your guideline to tell a story about a winery or what people should know in this, this tour book?
9: Well, I when I'm every time I'm interviewing a, a winery principals, uh, especially the ones I have not met before, I start by asking them when 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 and where were they born. So I get, I I start the basic bi- uh, biography, and I ask a, an awful lot of biography, which doesn't make it into the book necessarily. But then I put nuggets of that biography in there because I think that uh, that personalizes the uh, the winery profile. And I, uh, it's it's been my view, and I've had it confirmed by a number of people who have visited wineries that, that they appreciate being having read the profile that go into the winery, and they know a little bit about yeah. about the winery and the owners, and and it makes it a much richer experience. And so, I, you know, that was my formula in the uh, in the first edition, and uh, in that formula hasn't uh, hasn't changed. Uh, well, I think it took it took Luke a little while to figure out that, that, that why I was so insistent on on having the the ages in there uh, but uh but it's uh it's it's all part of uh, of 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 the personal color
2: well John, don't ever ask me my Absolutely. age or date of birth
9: because <laughs> you're yeah, not yeah, gonna well, get yeah. it. Yeah, we we uh, we didn't usually get that from from women, but the odd, the odd woman would would say, "You yeah, I don't mind.
2: <laughs> I'm so not one uh, of them." So, Luke, yeah, how how tough is it to work with John Schreiner?
10: He is a taskmaster. I'll oh, oh, bet
2: oh he God. is.
10: No, it, you know what? It it's it's so much fun, and it's been such a privilege because he he really is interested. In uh, at least what I've learned from him and uh, and from reading his books that it really it's about the people. Uh, you know, when we get together, we talk about wine as much as 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 anything. But but it's also about the people behind the wine and, and what I've come to term uh, human terroir. You know, what's the story behind the the winery, you know, that, that made the winery what it is? Why did they choose their labels this way? And it makes it, uh, you know, I know from reading previous editions of the book and using it myself and, and going to wineries, that it makes it really relatable. You know, there's some wineries that I can just relate to because I've heard their stories and it just makes it uh uh, an amazing experience and to enjoy their wines too maybe it makes me enjoy it even more because i you know i have a sense of where they're coming from that's hugely important and uh, i think i think we both get that and i really enjoyed learning from him about how to uh how to do that how to find that those informations you know that nugget those nuggets of information
9: Great. Well, you, 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 uh, when I read the uh, the, the history, of the valleys of wine, I mean, uh, Luke didn't ha- didn't need to learn a lot. <laughs> he was there.
2: That's great, and he's a good writer.
9: Yes, the uh, uh, Anthony said it, it was a uh, twenty five dollars. It's a it's a good buy, and I've had people say to me, and I'm sure Luke's heard the same thing. You know, who needs a guide? There are free uh, there are free apps, and of course, there are free apps. But
1: the free yeah. apps
9: usually don't have this uh, the, the richness of detail that uh, that we provide no. in the guide. You get,
1: you well, know. and uh, yeah, and also the I think Luke, you know this best. Uh, uh, there's so many stories that are told at wineries that make no sense at all to me about some of the history of BC. That it's it's great to have something written down that's you know <laughs> the real thing.
10: Absolutely, and that was a big uh, a big. Uh impetus to guide you know when i started that history book was i just kept hearing the same wrong stories over and over again everybody has their <laughs> own history and it, it relates mostly to marketing more than actual history and yeah. uh it, you know it, it's it's true it's just a, a big uh you know I, it, at least now it's not the definitive history nothing can be a definitive history but uh sure. it, it's i think concise enough for this time uh this time in, in the period of bc wine that we're in
2: now one last question, yeah. and it's about Bernard Horter, who, Tony, you, of course, know. He had the column before you did in the Vancouver Sun. Did mm-hmm. And this is probably to John. John, did he do a paper in university on B.C. wineries? Are you familiar with that?
9: Uh, yes, I've got a copy of it. Uh, it was uh, not in the university, but when he was... Uh, because he he he'd long since uh, graduated when he... When he emigrated to Canada to BC to become a, a notary, uh, but he got uh, he got pre- he was pretty interested in wine to begin with, and when he came here, he started taking interest in the BC wine industry back in the in the 70s and the 80s. I can't remember when he did the paper, but uh, uh, but I have it. Um, and and Bernard was somebody that uh, that I used to consult with. I remember sending him one of uh, my. A, a chapter from one of my manuscripts. I only did that once because Bernard got right in there and edited it as, as ferociously as you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but, I, I didn't think I would. But Bernard, Bernard was, a, was a great guy. Tony, do you remember the time that we were in Rome? Oh, yeah. We, we oh, boy, at, do uh, I ever. That uh, <laughs> afternoon in, in the in the ruins, and Bernard, who'd been a, a, a German army officer in Rome during the, uh, the war, he, knew... He, he in, lived... Oh, yeah, he yeah. knew the history. And so we were watching <laughs> this thing, and he'd say, oh, such and such an emperor made a speech there.
1: Yeah. I said to him, I remember that, and I said to him, you know, that was when everybody had headphones on, and the Japanese were there, and the Germans, and I thought, we should get some of those. He says, you don't need those. I'll tell you the history. I spent several years living in the Temple of the Vessel of the Virgin. <laughs> I go, okay. <laughs> and you know what? He did. He told us everything. And then, John, you know, the nicest thing about that, I don't know if you remember the lunch, We went and had lunch, and, you know, I was just a young pup, and I thought for sure we were going to have a Chianti Classico and a Brunello, and it was going to be the greatest lunch ever. And Dr. Horder said, uh, we're in Rome, kid, and we're drinking Roman wine for lunch. So he ordered a Frascati, and my, you know, my face dropped to the ground. It was the greatest white wine I've ever had at a lunch, you know, on a street corner. Like, it just changed my whole thinking about wine. So that's my remembrance of Bernard
9: Oh, Well, I remember the dinner that uh, that day. We were staying out near the airport, so we took the train back out, and we walked past a restaurant uh, when we got out to the train station, and there was nobody in the restaurant except the uh, the owner and <laughs> the right. staff. And so we went in, and uh, and Bernard uh, said to the owner, well, yeah, make us dinner.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you decide. <laughs>
9: and we had a yeah. fantastic dinner and two
1: bottles we of Barola. Listen, guys. I
2: know.
1: No. So great to catch up with uh, both of you. And and lastly, John, one of the things I love about this book is that it's been divided up by all these sub regions across BC the Similkameen, Asoyas, Golden Mile, Black Sage. It's been divided the way the region should have been divided 30 years ago, and we could have got a real head start on making wine. So, congratulations on that, uh, seeing clearly the future of BC wine. Well,
9: I, uh, I I divided it up simply because I uh, uh, I wanted uh, uh, I wanted to make it easy for the wine tourists. You know, you could you could you could in the front of the book you'll see that they're all listed. And if you uh, yep. if you, uh, you you know tell you how many wineries there are in Osoya's, I mean there are now. I was just do, counting this the other day. There are something like in that little Osoya's circle. There's something like nine wineries. That's better than mm-hmm. a day's wine touring, and yeah. they're good wineries.
1: Yeah. Gentlemen, thanks so much. We're out of time, but people should check out this book, The Okanagan Wine Tour Guide by John Schreiner and Luke Whittle, available widely online and, of course, at uh, select wineries, the Okanagan. Uh, There'll be more and more of them. If you own a winery, you should be selling this book. Uh, It's fantastic uh, information for travelers. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you soon somewhere in wine country. Thank you. Thank you. John Triner and Luke Whittle. The book is titled The Okanagan Wine Tour Guide. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening, British Columbia. Have a great weekend. That's
0: it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.